If anyone still has the Eitz Chaim Chumash, uh, turn to page 274. Otherwise, uh, you'll just have to do it without. <laughs> uh, in the opening... In the opening pasuk, in the opening verse of the Torah, there's something that's redundant. See if you can find it. I'm going to translate it more literally than the way in which it's translated in the English. Uh, and um, he went up to him, Yehuda, and said, uh, Please, my Lord, speak uh, kindly to your servant. Uh, speak into, um, into his ears, my Lord, uh, and do not let your anger uh, rise against your servant, because you are like Pharaoh. What's the redundancy? Vayigash elav Yehuda. It's the word elav. Vayigash um, means that he approached. And so if you were to say Vayigash Yehuda, it would be sufficient in terms of both Hebrew language as well as English language because it's assumed who it is that Yehuda is approaching. So the adding of the elav for the rabbis presents an opportunity for Midrash, an opportunity for interpretation. And they read um, Vayigash, expanding the meaning of the word. Uh, below the line, Rabbi Kushner brings the following interpretation. Vayigash elav Yehuda, and Judah went up to him. He drew close emotionally as well as physically. The author of the Sfat Emet, one of the great um, Hasidic commentaries, understands Vayigash Elav Yehuda as meaning that Judah approached himself. The Elav is kind of like one of the Midrashim, the interpretations that we understand from Lech Lecha, from Abraham, Lech Lecha, go into yourself, Vayigash Elav. The Svatemet is understanding that Yehuda is approaching himself. He discovers who he really is, not the, comp not the compromiser who said to his brothers uh, a couple parshiot ago, 20 years ago, let's sell him into slavery rather than killing him, um, which of course caused his, bound his father boundless grief, but the advocate for compassion and family harmony. That's who Judah becomes. He knows that his father still favors one brother, Benjamin, over the others, um, but this knowledge no longer drives Yehuda, drives Judah to jealousy and to hatred. Um, he understands, as the commentary says, that he cannot change his father, he can only change his reaction to his father's deeds. So Judah, though not the eldest of the brothers, emerges as the family spokesperson and leader, and in fact, as a result of this, emerges as the dominant tribe of all Israelite history. We are all, um, as Jews, we are all Judeans, so to speak. Right? We are all um, 
descendants of Judah because that becomes the, the leader of the entire uh, tribes and of the Jewish people uh, to this very day. Um, so it's a fascinating it's a fascinating interpretation that the Sfat Emet brings us. Vayigash elav Yehuda, he's reading as Judah draws near to himself, to the best within himself. It signifies that there's been a change, um, a, a tshuva, right? A return, a redemption, um, a, a, an element of important growth. Um, so what is it Right? The obvious question is, what is it that happened to Judah? Why is it that it's at this moment that suddenly he demonstrates a new sense of maturity and of growth and of self-understanding? Uh, well, if you look at last week's Parsha, uh, clearly you can make a case for life experience. He married, he has children, he suffers loss, those children um, end up dying uh, tragically in the Torah. Um, he refuses to engage in the ritual of yibum, of ensuring that his um, daughter-in-law, who, whose um, husband passed, um, ensuring that she is, is married and that the family name continues through him, um, into the future. As a result of that, we have the whole incident with Tamar and Yehuda and this notion of prostitution and of um, evading Yibum and public humiliation, where suddenly Yehuda at the end of that realizes that Tamar was correct and that he has to step forward in that circumstance in order to fulfill his obligations as the head of the tribe and the head of the family. Um, and as um, others have, as others have um, pointed out, Vayered um, Yehuda, which literally means that Yehuda descended, um, it can refer to in in that in that parsha in last week's parsha, it can refer to moral descent. And so we see as a result of this descent and his coming to grips with his reality, um, the beginning of the positive change in Judah's character when he recognizes and admits his mistakes in not fulfilling his obligations to Tamar. But then when Judah in our Parsha delivers his long oration to Joseph in Egypt, he finally does what he failed to do years before. He expresses the responsibility and love that he has for his brother and his father. And this time, Yehuda, Judah is willing to put his life on the line for his family. He's no longer concerned or consumed with his selfish needs and desires. That's according to the commentary, to the commentator Malik. Um, as a result of this, and, and you see this in the Torah at the end of the first Aliyah, um, th this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful phrase in, in Hebrew. Uh, now, if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, meaning that if you keep Benjamin and we go back to my father in Canaan, right, what's going to happen to my father? It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to devastate him. 
Why? Because of what Yehuda now understands that he didn't understand previously. The nafsho shurat nafsho. That Benjamin's life and his father's life are bound together. In the same way that Yaakov and Yosef's lives were bound together. And Yehuda comes to understand that. And rather than being jealous um, or angry or hatred or, or developing hatred about it, um, he understands that his role and responsibility is to um, speak for the family. Um, the reason I'm thinking about this particular teaching from the Torah of, of what is about Judah that's changed is because, well, of course, you know, this is one of those nights, tonight, tomorrow, this is one of those moments in the calendar. Yes, it's in the secular calendar, but we also live in the secular calendar. This is one of those moments when people think about the new year and resolutions. It's another opportunity of what we in our tradition before Rosh Hashanah call cheshbon nefesh, examining who we are, where we've been, uh, and more importantly, determining where we want to go. Um, and so it raises the question of um, when we reflect over the last year, and really the last two and a half years, um, what made us who we are today? Um, how has 2022 helped us vayigash elenu? How has 2022 helped us to draw closer um, to ourselves? Now, I don't have um, I don't have answers for this. Uh, my goal is not to provide answers uh, in this conversation, but rather to raise the questions and to ask each of us to reflect for just a few moments on the year um, drawing to a close. Um, how have we changed during this last year? And why? What did we lose? Some of us, it was family members. Others of us, it may have been our keys. <laughs> What did we lose? And the converse to that is, what did you find? What began for us in 2022? What ended? What did we learn about ourselves and, our, and about life? How did everything that's happening in the world locally, nationally, globally, affect you. For me, it's made me more anxious, especially, uh, especially the, the challenges that I see in the next year um, in the state of Israel. Um, how might we draw closer to ourselves in 2023 what are the possibilities that lie ahead for us? How did the last two and a half years help create them? For Jody and me, I'm very excited. I have two kids that are going to be finishing university in May and June. 
It's like the end of a very long journey of university <laughs> and the bills that go along with it. <laughs> but even more importantly, it's, it's the excitement that two of my kids are getting ready to launch. Um, and seeing, even during COVID, how they have grown and managed this pandemic and thanking God that we as a family had the resources and the network um, to be able to make sure that our family uh, managed it fairly well. Um, how, might, how might we make up for the opportunities we missed during 2022? And what is it that we can do now by our actions that can help us get the things we want in the future? Um, Tim Urban has a piece entitled How COVID Stole Our Time and How We Can Get It Back. And in it, he, uh, here's what, some of what he explains in his piece that might be able to help us think about these particular questions, thinking about the future of 2023. He writes, we think about those black lines, the roads not taken, the opportunities missed, the ones that got away. But most of us greatly underestimate the size of the lush green tree of possibilities that lie ahead of us. We underestimate future possibilities for the same reason we overestimate the time that is remaining, that we have left with those we love. Our intuition, he writes, is not very imaginative. It's human instinct to believe the life we're used to is how things will always be, both the good parts and the not so good parts. Wallowing in regret carries an implicit assumption that we had agency in the past, that we could have had those other life paths if only we had made better decisions. When we think about the future, though, that feeling of agency often disappears, which can leave us feeling resigned and even hopeless. But the life we'll be living 10 years from now will be largely determined not by our past selves, but by our present and future selves. If we imagine what we might regret down the road, it's very much in our hands to do something about it now. And he ends the piece, the past couple of years has left us with a joy deficit. I know for sure that's something that I feel, right? Over the last two and a half years through, through COVID, um, there's been a joy deficit. And it's, it's difficult to recapture that. Um, I, I am still struggling with that in my own davening, so to speak, right? It's how to get to that sense of simcha again of joy. When we picture a post-COVID world, he writes, we imagine having our old lives back, but we can actually go a step further and make up for the missed experiences, flipping the deficits into surpluses. If COVID has given us anything, it's a rare chance for a reset. Let's take it. And that's ultimately what any new year is about. In our tradition, we have four new years. Rosh Hashanah is for the soul. Rosh Chodesh Elul is for the animals. Tu B'Shvat is for the trees. And Nisan, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, is for the kings. 
right? That's the beginning of the calendar year, the tax year. That's why, by the way, tax time is in April, right? Because it's an ancient, uh, ancient, ancient tradition. Um, but January becomes the beginning of the secular new year of the Greco-Roman calendar. Our birthdays are times for reinvention and renewal, anniversaries, graduations. There are all sorts of moments within the calendar where we don't have to rely on one specific date, one specific transition in order to reflect upon where we've been and where we are and where we want to go. January 1st, this evening, tomorrow, is just another one of those. Um, another one of those opportunities to think about how we've changed in this last year and to think about the ways in which we want to continue to grow in the year ahead. Um, Google, Google posts this week, every year this week since Google's been around, a list of the most common searches that took place in the last year. Uh, and it's fascinating what this year's list was all about. The most Google searches for 2022 were about how can I change my life? How can I change my career? How can I change my outlook? How can I change my style? How can I change to become a better friend? How can I start again? How can I evolve? Is anything possible? They're all on the same theme this year. How can I grow? Their reflection of a theme in this week's Torah reading in the very opening words, Ve'igash elav Yehuda. How can I draw nearer to the best of myself? That's the challenge of the Torah reading. That's the challenge of life. Not just once a year, not even twice a year, but really every day. Vayigash elav Yehuda. How can we draw, like Yehuda, closer to our best selves? So with that, I'll say happy Sylvester. I'll say Shana Tova. Have a good year. And I'll invite us to turn back to our Sidarim, to page 155 and rise for Chatzikadosh.